we come from a generation of mental illness. Um, we come from a generation of people pleasers. And I realize I have to stop my way of thinking right now. And, you know, this is about them and they are not responsible for my happiness. I am responsible for giving them all of the opportunities and all of the happiness that they deserve. Hello, and welcome to Living Her Legacy, a podcast that celebrates and serves mamas who are choosing to live their best lives after starting their families. I'm your host, Jill Sutton. Thank you so much for joining today. Please join me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Living Her Legacy Podcast or at Jill G. Sutton. I am so glad you're here today. We have our second returning guest, uh, one of our most popular, most listened to episodes last year. It is Kelsey Martin. She is an author, a mama of twins, and had a crazy birth process during the pandemic. Um, which really has shaped kind of who she is today and the message that she wants to get out to people. We kind of recap what's happened in her life since we last spoke. Now that her book has been released last November and it's available to all, um, I would love for you guys to pick up a copy and support her. She also has some offers. If anyone's interested in writing a children's book in, in self-publishing, she's got a few things that I would love for you to just listen to the end and you can hear what she has to offer. Hope you guys enjoy. Take a listen. Hey, y'all. Just a short message about an affiliate partner of mine. First of all, an affiliate partner is a company or brand that I promote and receive a small commission when someone uses my specific link to make a purchase. This is at no additional cost to you. Every affiliate that I currently have is a company that I have personally sought out and applied for because I use the products and I believe in the products. Today's partnership is with brownies. I have a very expressive face and I can't help but notice some deep lines that have started setting in on my forehead. I honestly tried Botox once and did not love the results. Although my forehead was super smooth, I felt like I looked a bit angry because I could no longer raise my eyebrows anymore. I could also no longer give my kids or spouse the look. You know the one. Q frownies. This is a facial patch that can be worn at night. And when worn routinely, it will target your facial muscles to relax, thus smoothing the muscle and lifting static wrinkles and expression lines. As a physical therapist, this makes complete sense. It is reshaping the muscle. Your job is to wear them consistently and retrain your face to relax more throughout the day. Frownies have been around for over a hundred years. Use my link below with coupon code Jill S. It's all one word, J-I-L-L-S, for 10% off your purchases site-wide. Now on to the show. Kelsey, thank you so much for coming back on the Living Her Legacy podcast. I'm so excited to have you back on. Yeah, and I am feeling so different this time because I like following up, especially for myself to see how far I've come since September when I first talked to you. So like I said before we started, I may get off in the weeds, but it's the good weeds. So much exciting things are happening for my business. I think it's crazy that it was just September that we talked and how much has happened since then. Like 
So I'm really excited to kind of get into what you're doing now. We did have you on last September. You are the ninth most listened to episode on the Living Her Legacy podcast, which is quite an achievement. And last time we talked a lot about your kind of journey into writing and motherhood and your memoir, which came out in November. So how has life changed for you since we last talked and the release of your first, well, second book? (laughs) Yeah, so November came with more than just my memoir releasing, actually. Uh, The boys actually were diagnosed with autism, level three. They are high needs and high support. And it was kind of a relief. I know that a lot of people have been very concerned about my husband and I, like how we took the diagnosis, but as parents, we've known for a really long time, but we've spent about a year fighting for their services and finding people that would accept us as a patient to get evaluated. And now this opens up so many more opportunities for them to get what they need and get the help that they deserve. Um, So we're really excited, but it did come with a lot of physical and mental release as well. And I kind of felt like what you were talking about on your podcast last week, my body was like, you're done, like sit down. And I was not in a good way mentally or physically. My neck was in so much pain from working from home, writing, doing all of my work for the kids on my phone because I have to schedule their appointments, Mm. make sure I fill out all their paperwork. And I had to go to a chiropractor. I had to go to a massage therapist and I had to really put myself first, which was hard, (laughs) but it was just made very known that I had been fighting for so long that my body was just done. And so I kind of took November and December off of my business. I was still active, but I just needed some time to reflect on things. And I came across this quote because like I said, a lot of people have asked how my husband and I have dealt with the diagnosis. And I don't know who wrote this quote, but it says, um, kids are not for you. They are of you. And it really resonated with me because for a long time, I felt like because they were different, I would talk about I, I may never see my kids get married. I may never see my kids play my favorite sport. Mm. I may never, I may never. And I finally realized like, this isn't about you. You know, you're, they, their happiness is most important, but they are not responsible for your happiness. And I think that that just really hit home for me because we come from a generation of mental illness. Um, We come from a generation of people pleasers. And I realize I have to stop my way of thinking right now. And, you know, this is about them and they are not responsible for my happiness. I am responsible for giving them all of the opportunities and all of the happiness that they deserve. Hmm. And I had to just sit with that, like all of December 
and some of January and I'm feeling a lot better, but I still have a lot of work to do. So I've been excited to share that with all of you guys because it has been just a huge journey and kind of why I started writing and why I'm sitting here today. So I was excited to kind of just be there for other moms who may be going through something similar. It's crazy that you have kind of already found that truth with your kids still being so young, because I feel like, just like you said, we do come from a generation where we feel like we have to perform and we have to achieve and we have to please others and we have to satisfy others. Um, at least maybe not everybody, but, but a lot of us kind of feel that way. And there is a lot of mental health issues. There is a lot of anxiety, depression, um, really just that, that unfulfillment, right. And it's because we're trying to seek it in so many other places. So I love that you've already like discovered this hard truth and it's, and, and really starting to kind of like break that generational cycle. Right. Yeah. And I think I just, I really had this on my heart this morning to come on here because I know a lot of parents listen to your podcast and I was just like, you know, we are raising the generation that will change the world. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately with change comes a lot of very uncomfortable things and a lot of judgment. Mm -hmm. Anybody that has ever made a huge change in our society has not been very well liked in the very beginning. And I think that we are just trying to do our best. And I've had to tell myself that I am doing a good job. And if somebody else needs to hear that, just know that we have to just keep pushing and you are doing a good job and you're raising the generation that will change the world, not the generation that will um, make themselves smaller for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what a, like, I mean, we, again, we all feel that. I feel like that again is kind of the voice of this podcast. And I love that you, you know, were excited to share that because it is. I, I, I want to combat that feeling of making yourself small as a woman and a mom and feeling like you have to, um, hide your feelings and, and, you know, declutter and not have as much stuff and this and that there's just so many societal pressures that we put on ourselves. And, and like you said, change isn't well-received in most areas. Uh, even if it is a good change, And those that take the stand first, like you said, are, are really the target an easy target. And it's hard to have the courage to have that voice publicly, especially. Yeah. I, uh, I just had to share that with you this morning. (laughs) Like it was, I was in the shower and I just kept reciting that quote over and over because I was like, so many parents need to hear this. And I hope that it helps someone today. And I hope that your audience is just the perfect place to share it. So yes, I, I know that was really heavy, but I just had to get it off my chest. And I love it. Ready for all the author questions as well. <laughs> yes. Well, and I want to also say I'm really glad about your kids getting the services because that is a huge weight lifted off you. I'm sorry that it took such a struggle to get there you know, that kind of breaks my heart because there's not a lot of people that have the resources or the energy to put into that and might give up, you know, before they get what they need. So uh, I'm glad that you guys are at a place where 
the boys are getting their services that they need. That's excellent. Yeah, we're really excited to move forward. So now that your rest break is is over and you're kind of back in full swing, um, what have you been up to? When I last talked to you, I hadn't quite published my memoir yet. And my children's book and the workbook were out. And I hadn't really had a chance to look at my full year until recently because taxes are coming up. And altogether, I have sold over 700 copies of all three of my books, which I was really proud of. And what's crazy is that is just the beginning. And I kind of just started springboarding into all of these other ideas that I had. And one of them is I started in a writing workshop, a book about cowboys and aliens. And it's so different than what I wrote before, but it's actually advocating for uh, neurodivergent females because the main character is neurodivergent. She's a little bit different and she is trying to save the world. And that is the rough draft that I've been working on recently. And then I also came out with some fun digital products. Like I did a mom meal digital recipe book. I also came out with my digital course for publishing your own children's book. And I am working on book two for Little Cowpoke Swings a Rope. So it's crazy because not a lot of people see this side of things. They often see like the shiny projects when they're finished. And right now I am just in the trenches of the back work. So writing, working with my illustrator, uh, marking all of my other products that are out right now. And it has been very busy, but exciting for me to finally be able to throw myself back into my creative side after kind of the little stressful into my year. Mm -hmm. That's something that I found when I when I needed my break and just some rest, I just found like my creative energy wasn't there. Like as far as being able to just come up with ideas or spend the energy doing that stuff, it was like tapped out. So I really feel like, like balancing out that having some rest really gives you that springboard to kind of go into all these areas. Um, we talked a little bit last time about being multi-passionate people and how that's kind of against uh, what the like expert advice is, you know, is usually they say like pick a niche or niche down and stick to that and get really good at that before you try to venture into something else. But you are like me where we decide I'm going to do these 10 things and here we go. Let's start them up. So I'm really excited to talk with you, particularly about imposter syndrome, because I know since you have already written a memoir and a children's book, which are totally two different genres, and now you're going into a completely new genre, I'm sure you have voices in your head or even other people saying, what are you doing? This isn't even along the same lines as what you've done before. You know, um, how do you kind of combat or, or come every day or show up every day with the courage that like, that doesn't matter. I'm doing this for me. Yeah, I actually listened to your podcast with your other author, and I thought it was funny because we're all very different, 
And I think her advice is great. And I realized that we all have to kind of figure out what works for us. Mm -hmm. And something that I've realized is I am a very high achieving person as it is, but I tend to burn out very quickly as a multi-passionate person, Mm -hmm. or I do let the thoughts like kind of get in my head telling me, you know, this sucks. (laughs) And something that I've been doing is low demand goals. Mm. And this is like going against Mm. everything that people tell you. Uh, but it works for me. And I've realized I will sit down to write. And if I'm feeling it, I run with it. And if I'm not, I walk away and I don't force it. I know there's a lot of people that like go to the gym and they're, they say, you know, I didn't feel like going today, but I went anyways. And that does not work for me because I end up just self-imploding and hating it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it my way and Mm. I'm going to figure out what works for me. And what I've realized is if I have several projects going on at once, if I start to feel self-doubt or stuck or like I can't move forward anymore with one thing, I always have something in my back pocket that I can kind of pull myself away from that dread. And so, you know, I was stuck on my rough draft. And so I said, I'm going to work on my website. And I kind of dove into that and I got tired of that. And I dove into my children's book. And I think as long as you promise yourself that you're going to come back to those things, uh, it's a little bit healthier for me that way, rather than just pushing through to the point where I hate it, because Mm. then I will quit Mm -hmm. and it's not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. And I hope that if you're like this, you can kind of change your way of thinking if you've been that person that reads the self-help books and you follow the influencers and they're like stay consistent be there every day show up every day yeah uh the truth of the matter is is sometimes you can't and if your brain is wired a little differently sometimes you need that break and something else to pull that creativity out again so Mm -hmm. I'm excited to finally allow myself to figure out what works for me rather than what works for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've, I've really had to think about that too, because, and that's one of the things with this whole, like having some time of rest and time off from this like entrepreneurship race that I feel like I'm in. It's a lot of pressure that I've put on myself based off of what I hear, you know, like, like you said, be consistent, show up every day. Like you have to be posting, otherwise you're going to, you're old news kind of thing. And I was getting to a point where I was like, these timelines and these deadlines that I put on myself that I'm stressing over are timelines I've created. Like I have every, you know, I can change. And, and, and I think the, the, the fact of the matter is who says you can only be successful one way, right? right? There are so many different ways. And that's the beauty of humanity really is, is there isn't a right one way. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of like talking about my book a little bit because I'm talking about neurodivergence and how everybody's brain works a little bit differently. And I brought this up on my TikTok the other day, but when I was in college, I was a science major and I learned about uh, biodiversity and how we are all different. 
And there's actually this issue with bananas and they are a triploid breed where every single banana is basically a clone of the parent. Hmm. And the problem with that is, is if they're all the same, they could be wiped out very easily. This happened with the potato famine in Ireland. And I know this is weird to compare people to bananas, um, but if we are all the same and we don't acknowledge our diversity, um, there's no fun in life. And so if we don't acknowledge that we're all different and that all of our brains work differently, um, that's kind of what makes us special and it makes the world go round. You know, if there aren't mm -hmm. those brains that are scientists or artists, uh, it would be a very boring world to live in. And it would be a lot easier to take us out. Yeah. Speaking of this new book that you're writing, uh, what is the plan for it? Do you, I mean, you're self-publishing it just like you did your other one, right? Yeah, I actually went back and forth because I did think that I could possibly get traditionally published. And I spoke mm -hmm. a lot with my editor about this. And I realized that I think the only reason I wanted to go after traditional publishing was my ego. Because I thought like, if somebody else told me I was good, mm -hmm. that it would make me feel a certain type of way. And the more I thought about it, I was like, I don't think I can give up control. I want to be in charge of the cover, the name of the story. I want to be in charge of who edits it and how long it takes. Because if I'm traditionally published, all of that is based off of what they want from me, not off of what I want. And if I've already come this far in self-publishing, I'm like, I might as well just do it again. And so... I'm hoping this will come out this fall. This book will come out in the fall. Uh, I'm in the very rough draft process. And again, I'm trying not to rush it this time. I'm giving myself mm -hmm. a little bit more time and my editor will take it for its first edits in April. So it's a lot more fun to write in fiction though, because I'm just making things up as I go. And it's a world that I can create and I don't have to follow certain rules that I did mm -hmm. before with nonfiction where it was about my life and what really happened. Mm -hmm. So it is based off of some real events that happened and that's kind of where the inspiration came from. As you guys know from the last episode I did, I am from a ranch in Eastern Colorado. And when you live in the middle of nowhere, you can see weird things. And there were some things that me and my family saw that were unexplainable. And we don't really talk about much because we don't want to sound like weirdos, but uh, I'm excited to kind of bring those weird things to life. And I love conspiracies and, you know, just kind of tickling people's brain because I know they love to hear about that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and I am just excited to do something different because this is a lot less heavy than what I did last year. Mm -hmm. One of the things we talked about last time we spoke was you had been meeting with a life coach about kind of finding something for you right after the birth of the twins. And that kind of snowballed you into this writing process a little bit. But I believe it was the day that we interviewed, you had your very first therapy appointment. Now, 
only if you feel comfortable sharing, you don't just share about your therapy appointments, but how has that journey been for you as far as your personal therapy journey since writing this book and, and, and diving into a lot of these emotions that you probably really immediately had to just kind of bury because it was survival mode. Yeah. I mean, I was going very consistently and then I kind of have broken up my appointments because Mm -hmm. I think at some point you have to learn to work on what you've learned. Um, And that is the hard part about therapy is figuring out how you can use those, those tools in real life. And one of those is, you know, taking care of myself. And so with that, when I would be going to therapy, instead I've scheduled my massage appointments, my chiropractor appointments, Mm -hmm. I've actually started to schedule yoga and going to different locations in town to write rather than writing at home, because I love a good coffee shop writing, like something about the coffee sounds. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but there's something about the background noise there that just, I love it. I write the best there. And so I've been trying to embrace that and realize that you have to take from therapy and you have to implement that in your real life and you can go all that you want and I'm not giving advice or anything this is just my personal experience but you can keep going to therapy and keep going to therapy but it doesn't really work until you start doing what they tell you or mm-hmm. you know using those tools in real life and realizing that they are helping you and it's going to take time and it's not going to get perfect overnight because that's, Mm. again, that's my way of thinking is I want to fix it immediately. Like if I have a problem, um, we're going to fix it tomorrow and suddenly I'll just be perfectly fine and everything will be honky dory. That's just Mm -hmm. the way that I am. I'm learning to be more patient. Yes. That, uh, that, that movement is not that diagonal line, right? It's just, it's definitely some up and downs and, and we want that success to be, you know, oh, you tell me one thing and immediately it's fixed. Like, oh, I get it now. Okay. Now I'm going to fix that in my life or in my relationships. And it's not that easy. It's not that uh, cut and dry or black and white, you know, it's definitely something that we're going to continue to fail at. But like you said, it takes practice and putting it putting in the work. And that's why therapy is so hard. You know, a lot of times it is because it's not just, um, you know, it is uncovering some things and diving into emotions, but then it's, uh, it's just putting in the work. It really is. Yeah. And unfortunately, like sometimes you won't have certain stressful events for a period of time. Mm. And then suddenly they're right there in your face and you're like, oh my gosh. And you can either like, choose to do what they've told you or kind of figure out what you've learned or you kind of fall back into that you know one step forward two steps back and you may need to go back to therapy Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think it's just like you said it's a journey and it's something that I'm really struggling with being patient on but I think like we said in the very beginning parents just we have to take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. and our kids are not responsible for our happiness we have to put ourselves first Mm -hmm. so that they can have a healthy parent Mm -hmm. and I love that you're doing that so just hearing about getting to the chiropractor getting to some yoga sessions moving 
moving around different places. I also love a coffee shop. I did uh, barista for a while through college and, and it just brings back, you know, all the scents and smells and sounds just kind of brings back some nostalgic memories for me. Um, so I do, I appreciate that. And I love that you're doing that for yourself because that is, that is a hard thing for a lot of, especially mamas to do is to take that time out, take care of themselves first, make sure that they're in a good space so that they can be the best parent they can be and the best person they can be. We did touch on this topic once before, but I felt like it was important to share again with the community, because I think that this is something that can cause a lot of distress in relationships. And that was when you talked about how within like a year, how different you were, but also how different your husband was and kind of accepting that change. And also I remember you were kind of sharing with him, like how even where I'm at right now is not where I want to be like, and kind of like getting that out in the open, because I do think like a lot of relationships suffer because we expect the person to be the same forever. Yeah. And if I'm being completely honest, like our marriage has struggled through becoming parents the way that we did and the Mm. world that we live in right now. And it has been far from easy. And I think that you have to learn who the new people are in your marriage and that's you and your husband (laughs) because kids definitely change you and you have to learn how to navigate each other's emotions differently because now you are responsible for other humans and that completely changes the dynamic in a relationship uh my husband and I were talking about this because he is a first responder And something that he struggles with is when we go out, sometimes he can like feel disassociated where I think he's disassociated, but it's because he's constantly scanning the room. Mm -hmm. He's constantly watching our surroundings. And when we had kids that really amplified that because he, he has seen the ugly sides of the world and he's sitting there, you know, constantly worrying about what could happen, you know protecting your kids. And for me, I'm like, my overstimulation is I have a very low threshold now that I have kids Mm -hmm. and I'm in that fight or flight mode when I hear my kid crying or when my kid is climbing up my legs and he's learning to understand that I may have been a cool collective person before that, but now I'm completely different and Mm. it's really changed a lot of our anxiety and worry from before we had kids. And I think it's just important to give each other grace, which sometimes we don't because unfortunately we are trying to protect our children all the time Mm -hmm. and we hold it all in and then we take it out on our significant other. So that's something that we're definitely working on because yeah, it's, it's very rough when mm. your significant other is your safe place. Uh, I call adults very large toddlers because if you ever notice, toddlers will melt down with their parents because mm-hmm. you are their safe place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, adult parents, we will hold it all together for our kids, for our job, for everybody else but ourselves. And then when we're alone with our spouse, it's like, 
you just unleash the beast and unfortunately it's unfair and that's kind of just naturally happens and I don't like to like share too much about my personal relationship but I think it's important that people know I don't just live this perfect life like we're struggling the same as many other families are right now and it's important to take care of yourself but also give your partner that grace and learn how to give each other grace even when you're in fight or flight mode and kind of let your guard down a little bit yeah um i didn't realize after becoming a mom even after coming a mom for the second time that i would have to kind of reevaluate who i was like it seems strange to have to like get to know yourself again but that's really the process like you really do kind of have to okay, what's, what's different now? Like, and just like you said, you have a lower threshold for, um, the stimulation. I, I'm the same way. And I think it's like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just having two kids. You have two all at once, but, um, you just, it, they, they want you, they climb on you. And it's almost like you just sometimes are like, okay, I, I need a break. I need like, stop touching me, <laughs> stop climbing on me, whatever it is. Um, but I think just the fact of being able to have that grace to change, to have the wherewithal to even like start looking into um, yourself and how you've changed. And I think those things are just so important to like our mental health and our fulfillment in life, like how we feel fulfilled. Yeah. And I just think that we also are navigating a new world with our spouses. And I do see very involved fathers um, taking the role of provider and nurturing. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of women taking on the role of a full-time job and nurturing. And, you know, before it was kind of like this, a lot of families had either one or the other. And it's very difficult to figure out how you can be both. Mm -hmm. And have a healthy relationship where it's kind of like this give and take of who's going to step up on what day. And I just am very proud of, like I said before, all of the parents, because we live in a completely different world mm -hmm. than even the world that we were raised in. And we are paving the way, paving the way. And I hope giving a positive outlook for our kids when they get into their own relationships. I know you're writing a new book, but I do want to bring up your memoir. I am not quite halfway through. I wanted to be done with it by the time we talked, but life had other plans for me. First of all, just, I love the style of writing. I love the rawness, the realness. It's kind it's appreciated. You know how, like, sometimes it's like when someone just shoots it straight, it just is like, just feels good in a way. Um, so I love that about this book because there really is no, you're not hiding behind nothing in this book. Like this is, this is laying <laughs> it out there. That is for sure. As a mama, I felt like just your attention to detail during delivery, labor and delivery and all that stuff. I was like, first of all, how is she even remembering all these things with, with the level of intensity that it was for you? Um, but it really like, there was one line that just super struck me. Um, and I think I'm, I'm in my feels a bit too, like reading back on this, but, uh, I wanted to paraphrase it. You had kind of talked about how in your life so far up into that point, 
if you worked hard enough, if you hustled hard enough, you achieved whatever it is you set out to achieve. I guess in a sense, you had control, we can right. say, quote unquote. Um, and this was after your twins were born and feeling the feelings of helplessness, right? So in your book, you, and again, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Um, you said, God had those kids taken care of and he watched as I failed to trust him. You were no longer in control and you had to surrender. And all you could do in that situation was be. And oh my gosh, I was just like, I, it like brought me to tears because I was just like, that is how we feel. Like, especially the line of like, God watched as you failed to trust him. And I think in a sense, that being the very first time, like you really had absolutely no control over situation. That is, I think one of the hardest lessons to learn is to kind of give up that control. And even knowing like God is a good God, he wants good things for me. But just the honesty in that statement, I feel like so many mamas feel that, but are so scared to kind of say that out loud. So I just wanted to like, thank you for the raw, again, the rawness and the realness of that phrase, because it hits hard. It hits hard feeling like, like you're floundering and failing and all the while God's got it. Right. Right. Is there anything you want to add to that? I know. I just, I just had to like bring up that part because I just felt like, again, this refreshing rawness that just is like, shoot it straight. This is really how it feels sometimes after becoming a mom. Well, I'm glad you appreciate it. As a, as an author, we talk about the imposter syndrome and I get so uncomfortable when people talk about my book. So I'm like, oh my God, what are they going to think? Uh, but yeah, I definitely have always been a straight shooter and I wish more people would have been a straight shooter with me. And I think that's kind of why I wrote this book is, you know, we read a lot of foo-foo and everything's happy. And unfortunately, life is just not like that. And I think sometimes we just want someone to sit with us beside us and tell us that it's going to be okay, even if it does suck. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's what my entire motherhood journey has been is all of us. And I think there's a quote in the book, we are our children's parents and we know exactly what to do. Uh, but sometimes we need someone to just sit beside us and be like, it's going to be okay. You're going to mm -hmm. be okay. And a lot of times we get like advice or, you know, this is just how it is, or it's just constant. And for lack of a better word, sometimes it's just BS. And you just want someone to say, this really sucks, Yeah, but it'll be okay. And it's only temporary. You know, you're going to get out of this alive. And that's all I wanted to hear. And I hope that another mom hears it and they can breathe easy and know that it's not all going to suck. <laughs> I think it's so true. I think so many people, I mean, you've kind of heard the phrase toxic positivity and I'm all for being positive, but at the same time, like there's a balance and there's, there's real life. And, and I think so many people get their mind twisted about what, what reality should be like. And, and it causes, I think, again, a lot more of that anxiety and that depression, because it doesn't measure up to what people are saying it should measure up to. Um, so again, I, I do appreciate it. I can't wait to finish it. It is an easy read. You know, it's a great, it's it, you fly through it. So 
Um, I'm excited to get back into it. And I want to just let people know it is available on Amazon. All right. On a lighter note, we did have an IG question come in and it was, do you think that being from a high school graduating class of 10 people has any major impact on who you are today? Now I like want to know who asked the question. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do think it has a huge impact on me. And I think anybody who came from a small town will probably relate to that feeling. I think that there was a lot of pressure on us as students because we were the main focus of the town because there wasn't much else to do. Mm -hmm. other than work and go to uh, football games, uh, volleyball games, all of the things. We were the community. And that is a lot of pressure to have as a child. And I do think that growing up rural, on another note, did kind of shape the person that I am today. And you kind of talk about the straight shooter type of talking. And if you read the book, you're going to see that a lot of it came from my father and he just told it like it was and unfortunately I I mean not unfortunately it's just very strange when you go into the real world and you're so used to speaking like that mm -hmm. and people are not used to that <laughs> and I just deal with death hard times and nature a lot differently than others just because of the way that I was raised and I was raised around animals and with lots of responsibilities at a young age. So mm. I am very proud that I was raised in a small community. There are positives and negatives, but it definitely had a huge impact and you can see it come out in the book. I love that. Um, one of the things we kind of talked about too last time was um, how you had from your life coach, I think they had told you like, uh, you're doing an injustice by not sharing your story because other people benefit or it connects with someone else. And, and like I had said before, like I had heard that similar quote, as far as like, um, you're holding someone back from their breakthrough basically by not sharing. Um, so it is kind of cool to see like how your lifestyle and again, not knowing that it was unique in any way, but how so many people don't live that kind of life or have never experienced those things and how much it can make an impact on other people. Do you have any, I guess, like encouragement for a mama who's maybe afraid to start something because she doesn't feel like it's unique enough or doesn't feel like it's different enough or doesn't have a platform or whatever to get their message out there and to face that kind of like imposter syndrome like you do. So many times <laughs> with all these projects that you've got going on. Yeah, if I had to give them advice, I would say just figure out why you want to do it. And I think that will propel you forward. I talk about that a lot on my, you know, social media pages is why do you do what you do or why are you talking about what you're talking about? Because if you focus on that why, you're going to bring out a lot of passion and the right people are going to come to you. Mm -hmm. And I realized I did this because I myself needed that person when I was going through postpartum. I myself needed someone to tell me that it was going to be okay and things were very difficult. And I needed someone 
to push me along while I was writing and tell me, you know, don't be afraid. And whenever I go back to that, why, why did I start all of this? Hmm. It makes it very easy to throw away the imposter syndrome because at that point, it's not about you. It's about who you're helping. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that you can help just by being honest and genuine. Mm. A great place to start for someone who's wanting to live in their legacy. <laughs> Especially exactly. I like parent. that plug. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, you have good. an event coming up. Tell me about your event. Yeah. So I have my very first virtual event. I ended up deciding that I did not want to do an in-person event because most of my friends are on social media all over the nation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just very difficult to get everybody together. We are mostly moms and it's also very expensive and hard to get away from our kids. So I decided I'm going to do a virtual event. It's a $10 ticket because I mostly am charging for my time that I'm putting into it. And I'm keeping you accountable to come spend some time for yourself mm -hmm. and ask questions that will help you. I am sending out a survey before the event, after you register, and it's kind of going to be tailored to you. So what questions do you have for me? Is it about being a twin mom, having kids with disabilities, or is it about becoming an author, starting your own business, social media? It can go either way. And mm -hmm. I want this to be more of a springboard for community and connecting with other women because everyone thinks this event is for them, but actually I learned so much by talking to other women across the nation and mm. it kind of opens up more opportunities for me and my creative thinking. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to have this, you know, community building event on my page and I'm hoping if it goes well, I can make it a more consistent thing. I love that. Um, we can find out about that on your social media. Where can we find you again? We talked about this last time, but let's, let's let people know where you're, where you're available. Yeah, I am on the handle at cowpokes who cry on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And there you can find my link tree that has all of the things. And I gave it to Jill. So it's going to have my new children's book publishing guide, which is now 99 cents on Amazon. And I also have all of my books for sale and the sign up for my newsletter because I do free eBooks for you guys, recipes. I also have on the link that I gave Jill a free download for the recipes, the mom meal recipes that I made last year. And so all of the goodies, I try to make it a fun place and not constantly getting you to buy something, but giving you things that you can use. And uh, like I said, building a community of women who support each other. So I'm really excited for this event and all of the big things coming up. I want this to be a bigger journey than my last book was. So I'm kind of involving people in all of the processes. I'm writing weekly blogs this time. I'm updating you on all of the good, bad, and ugly in being a mom and publishing, mm -hmm. which I didn't do before, but people are surprisingly interested, and I'm not sure if it's because they're interested in 
the success or my struggle. Either way, it's fun. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's so true though. I mean, they, a lot of the big time CEOs and, and stuff talk about how being relatable is the biggest buy-in. Like if someone knows that you're human, obviously we can't share everything, but like if they know that you're a human being, they, they buy in, they, they are loyal to you. And, and I love that. I think, you know, balancing that out of, of the realness and the vulnerability, but also showing your steps to success, I think are, are great things. So that's really exciting. Now, do you have a blog website? I don't right oh, now because yeah. it's, it's in the works. That's yeah. Right. That's so right. that's a whole, that's a whole, you talked about kind of taking care of yourself. I, I'm hiring someone to redesign my website because I have too much going on. And I finally was, I've grown so much that I actually said, no, I'm not doing this part. I am, you know, allocating that to somebody else and letting them work on it so that I can not stress out because that's a very toxic trait of mine is trying to take everything on. (laughs) That is a huge milestone and congratulations. Thank you. Kelsey, it has been so wonderful chatting with you again. And thank you again for your time and for coming on the Living Her Legacy podcast. Is there anything else that uh, we want to touch on before we close out today? I don't think so. I just wanted to thank everybody and tell you that you're doing a great job. And I hope that my journey helps you. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate, like I said, several times throughout the interview, Kelsey's just rawness and realness. And sometimes that is just a breath of fresh air to just not beat around the bush, to not hide behind toxic positivity or anything like that. And not to say that she's, you know, got, you know, everything in her life is heavy. Uh, That's not the case, but you know what? Sometimes people just shoot it straight. And it just feels good. I also just want to hit on the point. If you are a mama that is looking to start something new, you can do it. I want to encourage you. I'm going to be having a few things coming up that are going to be um, getting you started with some positive self-talk and getting rid of negative self-talk and really kind of highlighting where your values lie and what your next steps might be if you are looking for a change in your life. I know a lot of times after kids, us mamas are looking for something different. The same things that satisfied us before no longer satisfy us anymore. And we need to be able to self-reflect and evaluate. And I would love to guide you along the way. So stay tuned and I'll see you next week.